0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store.
1: Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show.
2: We gotta bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice. Grace Curley.
1: You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and The Spectator. Especially
2: Grace.
3: Grace, stand
2: up.
1: Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grace Curley Show. Thank you all so much for joining us today. You might not have seen this quote yet, but it's pretty telling when it comes to This giant aid package that now the House is going to either take up or not take up. Hopefully, Mike Johnson just lets this thing die. But here's what Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina had to say about Republicans who are questioning sending $60 billion to Ukraine. He said our base cannot possibly know what's at stake at the level that any well-briefed U.S. senator should know about what's at stake if Putin wins. Now... We've talked about this before when it comes to inflation, the supply chain crisis. There's this level of snobbery and this level of arrogance from our elected officials or any expert, whether it's covid and it's Fauci or any expert. They love to tell us that there's just no way we could understand our puny MAGA brains are too small to grasp these concepts. Joining me now to talk about this, someone who's very, very smart, even if he's not a well-briefed U.S. senator, he's a very intelligent person, John Daniel Davidson. John, this, based off your piece in The Federalist, this quote really angered you. Explain why.
2: Well, I'm not a well-briefed U.S. senator. I'm just a simple journalist. But I think that any red-blooded American should be deeply offended at Senator Tillis's remarks. The idea that he thinks his own voters his own constituents, who he's in in Congress to serve, are too stupid to understand the things that he's voting on, and so they should just shut up and be governed by by him and his cronies, is absolutely offensive and anti-American to its core. The whole point of America is that we as citizens have enough sense of our own best interests Collectively and individually that we can govern ourselves. Yes, we elect representatives and send them to Washington to govern and to make decisions on our behalf. But the idea that those people wouldn't be responsive to their voters and wouldn't care what their voters thought about a really big issue like this is is. I almost it, I words fail me it it's so anti-american and it, and it should enrage every American to hear their representatives talk like that about them
0: yeah and the other part of it that you pointed out which I totally agree with is that these politicians these leaders they used to have to explain their positions and explain you know why they right. think their policy decisions are best and now it's almost like they think it's beneath them or beneath their dignity to explain to us why we should be on board yep. with these things they don't have to they don't feel like they have to make a case anymore
2: that's right they use this appeal to authority as a substitution for an argument right and it's not just Ukraine they do this with everything you mentioned COVID. Uh, they do it with every spending bill they pass they don't ever feel like they have to justify the, the the trillions of dollars of debt that they keep plunging us into year after year budget cycle after budget cycle Uh, They do it on the border as well. They do it on every major issue. Uh, and, and it's so it's they, they're offended that they would have to justify themselves to the peasants who sent them to Washington. Uh, and so instead, they sort of hide behind this mask of expertise, whether it's their own expertise as well-briefed senators or the expertise mm-hmm. of the federal bureaucracy and people like Anthony Fauci. And, and you know, we, we see time and time again how that works out. Look how it worked out during covid All the experts were wrong. Look how it worked out in Ukraine. All the experts going back decades in that part of the world, our experts about that part of the world have been wrong. And so it's just really, you know, it adds insult to injury that they think making an argument is beneath their dignity, as you say.
0: I I would throw two more in there. All the experts on inflation in The New York Times and Janet Yellen were wrong. And also, just because I'm here out of New England, all our weather experts here are constantly wrong. We shut down all the schools (laughs) today and there's barely anything out there, so far at least. Uh, John, I also wanted to talk a little bit about this actual spending package. And you cited an NBC News poll, which is pretty stunning. It came out in November and it found... Found that just 35% of Republican voters support more funding for Ukraine. Um, and a Gallup poll around the same time uh, said basically the same thing. Now, even if McConnell and Tillis and these other senators like Mitt Romney, if they want to chalk this up to us being too dumb or like the unwashed people who don't know what's going on, that's one thing. But why do you think that the support for this funding has diminished so greatly?
2: All right, well, I, I trust the common sense of the American people. I think people can see that shoveling more money into this grinding war of attrition isn't actually changing anything. It's just getting more Ukrainians killed. And so, you know, when when you see the same result over and over and over, you don't just keep doing the same thing. You need to stop and say, hmm, what are we doing wrong? Why isn't why isn't all the funding changing anything is all the funding even going toward the war effort ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the world second only to russia and and we've poured tens of billions into this country over the last 2 plus years and there's no indication that ukraine is any closer to not not just winning the war but 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 staving off a total defeat so I, I think the American, as this, you can look back at the polls too, you know, over like a timeline of American support for funding Ukraine's, the, the war in Ukraine, and as time goes by, Support slackens. And now we're sort of at this like really startling number. There was you mentioned an NBC News poll. I also mentioned a Gallup poll that also came out in November that showed something similar. You know, re- re- support among Republicans especially is dropping, but it's dropping ac- across the political aisle to support across the board is falling because we can see it's not working.
0: I'm speaking with John Daniel Davidson from The Federalist. He's got a great piece out right now. I've added it to my recommended reading for the day, so you guys can follow that link there. Um, Another thing you mentioned here, and it's a very popular assertion by some of these senators, even if it's not backed up by anything, is this fear-mongering tactic. And you quote uh, Senator Mitt Romney. Explain to people what that is and how they're setting up this, what they think is this inevitable uh, result if we don't keep funding Ukraine.
2: Yeah, it's this bad faith uh, talking point that we've heard since the, the beginning of the Ukraine war, since Russia invaded Ukraine. There's been this talking point that Ukraine hawks have just kept trotting out endlessly, despite all evidence to the contrary, as the war has progressed. And that is that if we don't stop Russia and Ukraine, then Moscow and Putin are going to march on Poland and invade all of Eastern Europe and attack all these NATO countries. And then we'll have to send our troops to fight Russia and it'll be World War III. So we got to stop them in Ukraine. Well, the actual conduct of the war so far has shown that Russia is somewhat of a paper tiger, like They're not as strong and capable militarily as we all thought they were. And so they're bogged down in this grinding war of attrition, this kind of bloody stalemate over parts of eastern Ukraine and the Crimea. They haven't even overrun all of Ukraine. And there's no indication that Putin, even if he wanted to attack Poland and other NATO countries, which it it doesn't seem like he does, he doesn't have that capability. Uh, he doesn't even have the capabilities to, to defeat Ukraine decisively. So, I, you know, but, but this is the argument that Romney and others ha- keep trotting out as, as you know, uh, foolproof evidence that we have to keep. F- shoveling money into this into this war. Uh, and and there's no actual evidence for it. Uh, and that, that's just one of the outrageous things that Romney said last night. He also said that this would be the most important vote that they ever take as U.S. senators, which kind of tells you where his loyalties lie.
0: Yeah. The actual quote that you put in here about Ukraine is he says, if we fail to help Ukraine, Putin will invade a NATO nation like it's like it's just there's no avoiding it. Um, I wanted to ask you, John, also about the breakdown of this package. So it's a ninety five billion dollar aid package. Obviously, you know that a huge portion of this is going to Ukraine. Um, I think $8 billion of it is going to the government in Kiev and other assistance. And then $14 billion for Israel's war with Hamas, $8 billion for Taiwan. And there's a part of this that I would love to get your take on. And that's the $9.2 billion in humanitarian assistance for Gaza. Now, I do not want to see anyone killed, obviously. I know there's a lot of suffering going on. And any innocent life is terrible. But we have had reason to be suspicious and to be concerned that some of this aid money going into Gaza is being hijacked by Hamas. What do you make of that nine point two billion dollars in assistance?
2: It's all being hijacked by Hamas. Hamas is is the, is the tyrannical ruler of of, uh, of of Gaza, so all that money goes to Hamas. It's ridiculous that that we would do this. We're we're funding a terrorist organization by sending this money to Hamas. I know we can say, oh, it goes to these NGOs and it goes to these humanitarian groups, but none of those groups operate inside Gaza without being under the control of Hamas, and they divert whatever they want to into their own military schemes and, and terrorist plots. And we've seen this for years and years with even with like the the water infrastructure. In Gaza, right? Hamas like digs up the pipes and uses them to make rockets. They they make propaganda videos. themselves make They make propaganda videos showing them doing this. So you know the reason that Gaza has no infrastructure after you know have having been in charge of that place since two thousand six is because they funnel all of the humanitarian aid and assistance away from their original purposes and into uh, their, their military plans and terrorist plots. Uh, and so, you know, we need to sort of be honest with ourselves about what the nine billion dollars is going to go for we all know it's what's, what's going to go for and who's going to control it
0: so not only and i know i'm not trying to say that 14 billion is not a lot of money but compared to what ukraine's been getting it's really not um if you use that right. kind of that kind of standard so not only are we giving israel just 14 billion dollars but we're giving the other side of this war five billion dollars less so we're funding both sides of this
2: yeah, we are. I mean, it, it would be nothing new for the United States to fund both sides of a conflict. I, increasingly, when you look at this stuff, and even when you look at the Republican senators who are defending this sort of endless aid to Ukraine, they often talk about, or lately they like to talk about how, well, oh, this money isn't all going to, to the government in Ukraine. A lot of it is going to U.S. defense contractors. Well... <laughs> As though that's a good thing, right? To, that we're that we're funding weapons makers so that to foment these endless conflicts um, and keep shoveling taxpayer dollars, not just to corrupt governments overseas, but to defense contractors and lobbyists uh, here at home. As though that's like a stimulus package or an industrial policy. But look, funding both sides of conflicts serves the interests of the military-industrial complex and the corrupt foreign regimes that uh, that. that, that that often are involved in domestic U.S. uh, politics and and these spending schemes. And and it basically reveals that our political class oftentimes views the, the United States not as a nation with citizens, but as a tax farm for a global empire. And that's how they treat us.
0: Very well said. My producer's nodding along here. He's loving what you're saying. Uh, John Davidson from The Federalist. I really appreciate you coming on. Also, just a heads up to everyone. John's got a book coming out March of 2024. So I'm sure we'll have you on soon to start that promotion, John. We're very excited for you. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone should check this out at The Federalist, thefederalist.com. And when we come back, we'll take your calls on this aid package. It is ginormous. There's no denying it. And I want to know what people think of Tillis and the response that, you know, we're just not smart enough to understand. It's either one or two things. Like you're either not smart enough to understand the complexities of why we need to keep sending money to Ukraine, but we're we're not spending money to secure our own border. Or the easier one for them is you're just rooting for Putin. Those are your two options here. So are you dumb or are you rooting for Putin? Or maybe some combination of both. When we come back, we'll discuss that. Somebody who is very smart and who is not rooting for Putin is my producer, Jared. And he, this is something smart he did. He went to the Nasa Beach Inn. That was a great decision you made, Jared, because it's a beautiful spot. And you went on the offseason, which I really appreciate. Cape Cod in the offseason does not get the credit it deserves. It is underrated. And the Nasa Beach Inn is such a beautiful place to go to relax and to enjoy.
3: Yeah, and this, today, the storm may have fizzled out up north around here, but this is the perfect day to be at the Nosset Beach Inn. You're you're down there, it's tranquil, it's quiet. You get some of the snow, you get to be cozy, whether it's inside by the uh, the fireplace, because every room has a fireplace and a picture window. You can stay warm, you can stay cozy, you can look out, you can just watch the ocean, watch the weather, or you can go sit out by the fire pits if you want to, you know, get warm that way. My wife and I love sitting by the fire pits, drinking the morning coffee and watching the sunrise, which you don't really get to do too often. You can see the moonrise. You can see stars down at the Nosset Beach Inn. Winter in the Cape is the place to go. Nosset Beach Inn is the place on the Cape to go. And it's the best value you're going to get.
0: Yes, it's a great place to stay. And you can go to NossetBeachIn.com. That's NossetBeachIn.com. When we come back, I'm going to read you Tony Bobulinski's statement today. Um, Really, really well done by Tony. Um, He hasn't been getting a lot of attention from anybody, and he explains why. We'll talk about that on the other side.
1: You're listening to the Grace Curley show. This is the Grace Curley show.
0: We're going to talk about Biden's age and the spin job from the media which is really this might be their finest hour as far as defending joe biden at all costs um but i do love how they bring out nancy pelosi and chuck schumer to defend him like maybe bring out at this point bring out the younger people you know ask eric swalwell like i'm not a fan of swalwell but can't you bring him out in this case Not to talk about the classified documents, because I I think that, that also is not really something that he has a great reputation with, but maybe to talk about the fact that, no, Joe's just as sharp as I am. Instead, they bring out Nancy Pelosi, who's 83 years old again? The last time they brought her out to defend Joe, she confused Joe with Trump. There's no one younger, Jared?
3: I mean, Dan Goldman's following him around like a lost puppy, jumping up and down, saying, hey, let me try, let me try, let me try. At
0: least send him out there. Yeah. But then it's like, I don't want that either. (laughs) Jared, actually, you know what I would really love? I sent Howie's Twitter, the uh, video of Jon Stewart. If you could just pull a little bit of that in the next break. It's really funny. I mean, I hate doing this, but he does have good delivery. And he's explaining how ridiculous it is that all of these people like Kamala Harris are trying to convince us that behind the scenes... Joe really knows what he's doing. And so we'll talk about that. But today's poll question, which has to do with that, is brought to you by the Nauset Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nauset Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. Go to NausetBeachInn.com to book your pet-friendly ocean view room. That's NausetBeachInn.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far?
3: Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is will special counsel Robert Hur release the Biden transcript?
0: Well, let's have KJP. Maybe this will change my, my decision. Uh, this is cut nine. You won't White say, given that you think the report is flatly wrong and gratuitous, mm-hmm. you can't say if you want the material to be made public? If the American people uh, no, what I can this. say is they're discussing it. They're looking at it. There's a process that's involved. And so the White House Council can, obviously has taken these questions from all of you. And so they're looking into it. I just don't have anything further to say about that. Absolutely not. We will never see these transcripts for as long as we live. If these transcripts were going to vindicate Joe Biden's mental sharpness, that elusive mental sharpness that none of us have seen in the past 15 years, then we would have had the transcript by now. We are never, ever going to see these.
3: 82 percent of the audience agrees with you. No way.
0: By the way, uh, just a reminder to everyone, if you go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store, Howie's got a new t-shirt out. And we still have some cheap bastard deals available. Maria's from Portland, Maine is still up there. That's a really good restaurant that I encourage you to grab that cheap bastard deal for. So just make sure you head to HowieCarshow.com and check out everything that's up there. Uh, Lisa, really quickly. Go ahead, Lisa. Hi, Grace. How are you? Good. What's going on? I'm good, hon. Um, I
2: just am so upset about what Senator Tillis had to say about the quote unquote base of the Republican party who he thinks don't know um apparently they don't know anything so they can't be trusted to um and, and trust their you know their vote to them you know the all knowing the all knowing senators it's it's so rude it's so obnoxious And I'm at a loss for words because I'm so upset
0: about this kind of stuff. Yeah, we're going to keep talking about this when we come back, Lisa. It's so condescending. And it's not the first time we've seen this. You know, uh, John Daniel Davidson, he mentions a couple of different examples about how now you have to be a neurologist to know that Joe Biden's slipping. Or now you have to be a biologist to know what a woman is. But I always go back to yeah. COVID. You know, like, oh, we we didn't know enough. We had to listen to the experts. Look how much good that did us. They just dropped a five-day isolation period today, February 13, 2024. We'll continue to talk about this, Lisa. Thanks for the call.
1: Live from the Aviva Tratria studio.
0: This is from Tony Bobulinski. United States law enforcement appears to have been singularly unwilling to speak with me or to hear the facts we will be discussing today. He's testifying on Capitol Hill, by the way. I have never been contacted to provide testimony nor asked to speak with anyone connected with Joe Biden's administration, including his Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS or local law enforcement. That includes... U.S. Attorney David Weiss or any of the several grand juries I now know were convened after my name became publicly known. On October 23rd, 2020, I voluntarily walked to the Washington field office of the FBI with several phones containing years of encrypted communications between me and numerous members of the Biden family and their associates. I believe a lot of those are in uh, Miranda Devine's laptop from hell. And... There are several pieces out there, only on conservative sites, that detail what were in those texts and emails. That conversation, which was subject to false statement statutes, lasted many hours and was never followed up upon by anyone in government or law enforcement in any way. Rather... When the House Ways and Means Committee recently released the FBI 302 report of that meeting, Hunter Biden's lawyers laughably tried to use a single note-taking error by a junior FBI agent to accuse me falsely of lying about my attendance at a meeting with Hunter Biden in Miami. I was crystal clear to the agent in my interview that I was physically in Miami during that time for other things and did not attend the actual CEFC meeting. Hunter Biden's lawyers should focus their energy on the facts and the extensive indictments Hunter is fighting versus creating smoke screens and distractions with their empty threats. I have only told the truth. I continue to tell the truth. I have the facts. As we will discuss today, I also have the receipts to back them up. Now, he's a reliable narrator. I know the Democrats don't want to admit that, but anyone who watched him on Tucker years ago knows this is a guy who is very very intimately familiar with the Biden family and with this business that they're running. And so naturally, our FBI and all of our other government agencies didn't follow up. Isn't it? You know, you, you almost get more of a story thinking about what the FBI doesn't follow up on rather than what they do. That tells you all you need to know about the FBI. The things they put on the back burner, Larry Nassar, to name one, Tony Bobolinski, plenty of school shooters who were on their radar, known to police, known to law enforcement. There's a lot of things the FBI, but like if you're a Russian bot or something, or if you put up a meme of Hillary Clinton, the FBI will be on you. They will track you down. They're like Liam Neeson and Taken. I have a very special set of skills. But if you're Tony Bobulinski and you're like, listen, I have all these emails and text messages and, you know, you guys might want to see them. Eh, No, thank you. Do you think if there was a Tony Bobulinski in the Trump world who had all that information that he would get a good leaving alone? I got news for you that would not happen. Now, I do want to talk uh, and obviously we're going to get a lot more information about this once these hearings wrap up. But I did want to mention here, Jared, that the response and i I guess i don't know if i should say i'm surprised by the media i thought when i read that report and when i saw the journalists getting pretty fast and loose with that term nowadays but whatever we'll let it stand when i saw the journalist asking joe biden about hers report that night at the press briefing um which by the way we should play this kjp let us know was all joe biden's idea this is cut seven
3: Earlier, you mentioned that the president of the White House thought it was a good idea for him to come out last Thursday. Just want to clear it up: was it the president's idea to come it out? It was last the day?
0: president's idea. Yes, he it wanted to. Idea. It was his idea.
3: And how forceful was he when he you know, came out and he, I mean, he said I, he wanted to do it that I'm, time? I
0: mean, you saw the president out, do this, uh, make a statement, take questions from all of you because he wanted to do it. You know, you know what that reporter's is getting at, right? And. Um... How hard did any of you push back on that idea? Did you all know it was going to be such a bad idea when he suggested it? Did you all give him the green light? Did anyone fight him on it? So after the press briefing and after he comes out and does a statement and then all the press is asking him, he confuses the president of Egypt with the president of Mexico. You all remember it like it was yesterday. After that, I thought, this is it. Like, there's going to be a time. I always said there will be a time where we get a pivot from the press and they throw him to the wolves. And I thought if there was ever a time, if there was ever a golden ticket that would get grandpa to jump out of bed and say, we're going to the Wonka factory, it would be that report. It was perfect. And based off what I'm seeing, Jared, for the most part, the press is still standing by him. Can we get a little stand by your man at some point? Because that is exactly what they're up to. And nobody is standing by their man harder than Joe Scarborough. Listen to Joe Scarborough's explanation. Because I I guess it's like at first they said, oh, Joe Biden's so sharp. He's the sharpest. He's... He's this, you know, uh, elder statesman. He's Socratic. He has leather-bound books. He reads late at night. He works so hard. He, he asks all these questions. They're big on that one. Like, he likes to ask all these follow-up questions. And if people don't have the answers, he gets very mad. And nobody's buying that anymore. That's a stretch. You know, he's not running laps around people. He's not—it's he, he, just—it's impossible to convince people of that. So now I guess the second best thing they can do is say, well, he forgets things, but I forget things too. Well, he's a moron, but I'm a moron too. And by the way, I'm not saying if you forget things, you're a moron. But like that, what I'm, what I'm getting at here is they're now trying to say that we're all the same as Joe, which I thought all of these people, I thought Mika and Joe and Al Sharpton and Willie Geist and all of these people were so much smarter than me. That's what I have been told over the last couple of years. They give you information. They tell you who to vote for. They tell you MAGA people are bad and MAGA people are wrong and Trump is evil. And it's because they have all the answers. They went to all these fancy schools. They know everything. They have Ivy League educations, all these degrees, and they run in really fancy circles in the Hamptons. They're they're all friends with each other. I thought they were all so smart. Now their excuse for Joe Biden is we're all in the same boat. We all have the mental capacity of Joe Biden, which is news to me and kind of scary. So this is Joe Scarborough's reasoning for why you shouldn't be concerned about Biden's memory. Cut five.
2: For some reason, you had the guy, uh, the special counsel asking, hey, um, what uh, what year did did your son die? And supposedly he didn't remember what year his son died. And, and this was the most damning thing. I said this yesterday, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just older people. We've, we've lived a busy and active life, but nobody's closer to me. Nobody's been closer to me in my life than my mom. If somebody asks me in the middle of the deposition, what year did your mom die? I go, I don't know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know. I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you my final word. But-
0: wow. That might be rock bottom for Joe Scarborough.
3: Yeah, that's bad.
0: That's bad. And also, now it's not making any sense because Joe Biden was so offended that anyone would suggest he wouldn't remember right. when his son died. And now Joe Scarborough is trying to say, even if he didn't remember, it's not a big deal. But he said, But he said it was a big deal. He said it would be a really big deal if he didn't remember it. Like, it's so shameful to suggest that he didn't remember it. And now you're saying that not remembering it is very common, that this happens to people all the time. And by the way, losing someone is horrible, but I will say that I don't think getting into this game of like, well, my mom passed away. This is Joe Biden's son. Like this is, I I just think that if you're a parent and you lose a child, it's, they always say it's like a club you never want to be part of. And I just don't think that this is, the excuse that Joe Scarborough thinks it is or like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm the same way when people die in my family. What? What are we doing? This is nuttiness. And then you've got people on the mainstream media going, well, you know, Robert, her is not a neurologist. So you need to be a neurologist now to know that this man is not in his right mind. I don't think the King of Jordan is a neurologist, but I bet you he got a weird feeling when Joe was mumbling to himself and hovering behind him during his speech. And I don't think he's a neurologist. This is just... Even for even for Joe Scarborough, that is a very weird thing to say. Like, yeah, he might not remember that date, but neither do I. And... I, it's also, I'm just trying to be careful about how I choose my words here. It's also the fact that I'm actually giving Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt that I'm, I'm sure he doesn't remember it because he's dealing with cognitive decline. It's not because he's just busy and doesn't, do you, you know what I'm saying? It's not because, oh, I'm busy yeah, and I he, just don't remember.
3: Yeah, he genuinely has cognitive issues. Yeah. And so.
0: For Joe Scarborough to say, oh, it's the same for me. No, it's not.
3: No, not And at all. you don't
0: even believe it is. You don't even yeah. believe it is. Todd, you're up next on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Todd.
3: Hey,
2: Grace, thanks for taking a call. Hey, guess who I, oh, I just passed on uh, Memorial Drive? I passed Biff Buffington doing the weather report out there. <laughs> I, I thought Howie he just made up the guy, but it turns out he's real. Anyways, <laughs> the reason that they're not acknowledging uh, – biden's downfall is because the moment you do you have to start talking about who could replace him and the moment you start talking about who can replace him you get to cross-examine that person and they're going to wait to the very last minute no debates no interviews no nothing hi michelle obama talking about you and because if they did do that like remember when nikki haley was running against trump (laughs) like she still is but they are already saying well this is how she would do against biden how come nobody's taking biden's replacements Against uh, Trump, because they don't want to actually release any polling on that yet until they absolutely have to acknowledge it. And now is not the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you just brought Michelle Obama and there's there's some people that I really trust as far as like the talking heads And conservatives who have been on social media saying she's not going to do it. Like, she doesn't like politics. She enjoys her life. And I agree. She gets to wear, you know, boots that cost more than most people's mortgages. She gets to go to Hawaii whenever she wants. She gets to hang out with celebrities at award shows. She doesn't want to be president if that's just what I think of it. But I will tell you this. She must get a kick out of every four years watching the Republican Party have a panic attack over the thought of her throwing her hat in the ring i would i if i were michelle obama i would start dropping hints like i would start carrying a book around that said like how to run for president 101 just to just to watch everybody melt down because and i don't blame conservatives by the way for being fearful of that possibility because i do think that there's a lot of people who would vote for michelle obama but if she's not running It must be amazing to her every four years to watch people go, they're going to bring out Michelle. I would just sit back and go, maybe. Who knows? Perhaps. But again, the problem with that is, and I'm going to quote Mark Hemingway here how do you solve a problem like Kamala Harris? That's the question. She, they're putting out pictures now of her looking very presidential you know on air force two they always have those pictures of air force two where the the politician is looking out the window like the president of the vice president looking out the window very you know very serious look on their face and she's been defending biden pretty aggressively saying he's totally fine but that's becoming harder and harder to do and i, I don't think and, and you know what a, a lot of these uh a lot of these people are saying, well, this has always been Joe. Who told us that the other day, uh, Jared? They said, you know, this has always been part of... Aaron
3: was Burnett, I believe, from CNN, that it was 50 years of the Biden brand.
0: And I, you know what? I will say, if spelling Afghanistan wrong is part... That is part of the Biden brand. So maybe she's right in some ways. But there's no denying that if you watch a cut from like 2017... Which in this report, it shows that in 2017, he wasn't doing very well either. But the difference is staggering. And I don't think anyone can deny that except for maybe Joe Scarborough. Speaking of Joe Biden, though, we talked yesterday about how he joined TikTok. He joined TikTok and there was an article today in Politico. And it said that he gained... Did you already see this, Jared, before I... I did not. How many followers do you think the President of the United States, by joining TikTok, which we could get into a whole segment on whether or not that's a good idea, uh, because you kind of lose your ability to slam TikTok as like Chinese spyware if you're on the app. But you know what? Then again, he doesn't really care about standards, so he probably will continue to be a hypocrite on that front. How many followers do you think he gained last night?
3: Uh, What's the population of China? Because I am assuming the numbers correspond.
0: You'd think. But you'd be wrong.
3: Um, Two million.
0: (laughs) 67,000. Isn't that crazy?
3: Even on a juiced platform, nobody likes
0: this guy. Yeah. I was thinking like 67,000 would just be bots and then there would be an extra two million. No, it was 67,000. I was like, damn. I know I'm biased and whatever number they came out with. I'd be like, yeah, that's not that many. But 67,000 actually isn't that many. That's pretty weak for the president.
3: A little more than the attendance of, I think, like a USC football game.
0: There's plenty of people who... Uh, I, I don't know we can we can talk more about it when we come back auctions are one of the oldest forms of commerce known to man auctions are how economies determine values for assets and commodities auctions are not a fire sale at a discounted price rather auctions are an accelerated sale with competitive pricing so just because your parents listed their house for sale at a set price doesn't mean you have to there's not just one way to sell your property and a lot of people they they don't give auctions the kind of look that they should because this could actually be a really beneficial way for you to sell your property and get the most money possible for your most important asset, which is your real estate. J.J. Manning's accelerated auction process is one of the fastest growing segments in real estate, but they've been around forever. This is a time tested. Um, this is a time tested approach to selling your real estate. Manning's approach began over 16,000 auctions ago in 1976 by its founder Jerome Manning. So what are the benefits? Well, there are no contingencies. The buyer signs their exclusive PNS and makes a 10% non-refundable deposit that day, and you set the terms which the buyers must follow. So there's a lot of reasons that you're going to feel protected and you're going to know that you got the most money possible. No deviations to the purchase. The buyer's feet are kept to the fire and they use their 30-30 marketing plan, 30 days of market, marketing saturation, and 30 days to close. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to call Charlie Gill. He's the man that you want to get in touch with. It's 800-521-0111 to talk to Charlie or you can visit JJManning.com. Again, Charlie Gill, who's awesome, by the way, you should call 800-521-0111 or go to JJManning.com. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is The Grace Curley Show.
0: 508 says on the text line, the damn new slogan, je suis brandon. Yeah, that's what they're claiming. They're like, it's not him, it's all of us. John, you're up next on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, John.
2: Hi, Grace. Uh, Best show on the radio. Um, A couple things. I love the indictment or the lack of indictment on Joe Biden because it does indict his health. And I think that is a gift that's going to keep on giving throughout the election, in um, his mental health, I meaning. And then the second point I wanted to bring up is that I think that Trump needs someone who can communicate his message um, and do a great job at that. And that would be Tucker Carlson. And plus, Tucker Carlson's outside the Beltway. Um, and I do think that he possesses the ability to uh, connect with people and to frame uh, issues in a way that people understand. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Grace.
0: Well, thank you for the call, John, and thank you for for the kind words. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that Tucker Carlson knows how to communicate things based off, just based off the numbers that his ex-interviews are pulling in. That is for damn sure. He also does connect with a lot of different audiences. He recently did an interview with comedian Theo Vaughn, who has a big social media uh, platform. And people who aren't necessarily right-wingers. And there's something about Tucker that does connect with a lot of different people. Again, though, I go back to the Michelle Obama. I don't know if Tucker would want that life. I think Tucker's probably happy being free and being able to make a lot of money. And that's not something that really goes hand-in-hand with being VP. At least if you're doing it the right way.